Welcome to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. We are so thankful that you are listening in. The Neighborhood Church is all about helping people find and follow Jesus. We hope that through these podcasts you are encouraged, that you're inspired, and that you're provided with practical wisdom on how to find and follow Jesus. We hope that you enjoy today's podcast. before Twitter. Pastor John came up with this title. Did anybody notice how many times he called Twitter Tweeter? Did you notice that the last two sermons that he had? So it's tweets before Twitter. Um, This is our theme. So I'm doing tweet number three or series number three, and we're going to start that today. So I'm not somebody who does Twitter. I actually had set up an account once upon a time and never actually used it because I just couldn't really... I didn't know why I needed Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So I don't know a lot about it, but what I do know is it's a social media platform. So for those of you who don't know, that is what it is. It's very similar to just being able to post your thoughts like pretty much every other social media platform. Um, So back when it started, when it um, first came out, you could only type 140 characters. So 140 letters was all you could write to say what you wanted to say. That was it. And then recently it's been increased to 280 characters, which I find interesting because the world seems to have so much more to say. And like Pastor John has told us, 3,000 years ago there was a king, King Solomon, who regularly shared these tweets of wisdom that were usually only between 50 to 70 characters long. He was kind of like the BC, the before Christ, Surrey is what I'd like to call it. Because in his time, he had the wisdom, they would go there, they would ask him, he had the answers. Um, The book of Proverbs, which we are going to be in again tonight, is a buffet of wisdom. There's all types of wisdom in there. And the word halkma, which is the key word with wisdom in Hebrew, it means so much more than just knowledge. It's doing life well, everyday decisions, and how to live your life. So it's not just about being smart. It's so practical, this book is super down to earth. The author of most of the Proverbs is Solomon. He had had a dream, and God had said to him, what do you want? And he said, wisdom. And so God downloaded as much wisdom into Solomon's mind and into his pen, and he allowed the Holy Spirit to work through him, and now we have that wisdom of God today. Solomon was the instrument that God used, and wisdom, daily wisdom, is needed. So my husband and I, we went to Paris, I have a picture, um, a couple years ago. We had never had a honeymoon, and so this was just something that we were working towards over the last 10 years, and we decided to go. We thought it was an awesome idea. And so my friend had been there before, and what she did was she shared all this awesome information, these awesome tips, um, to make the time that we were there more enjoyable. She told us where to stay, she told us how the train or the metro worked, um, what to download, the top must-sees and places to see. 
Um, and even places that most people wouldn't go to or they would miss because she'd been there so many times. So we managed to squeeze everything that we wanted to do into a few short days. We were even able to take a 50-minute short flight over to Wales, where all of my family lives, which made this trip even better. Now, I'm not trying to use this example to tell you that wisdom is traveling to Paris. I am trying to tell you that we came back from a trip with a completely different experience because of this. We added so much more to our trip, and the trip was so much better because she had some insights about this trip that we just didn't have. So in a lot of ways, Solomon comes alongside of us and says, okay, you're living, you're on that trail, you believe, you're on this path, this life journey, but do you know how much better it could be? Do you know what else you could experience? So here's the wisdom of God when you live it out. And that's the hulkma, the daily wisdom of living it out. This is how life is meant to be lived. So today we're going to look at one of the contrasts in Proverbs. And that's funny, it's actually really awesome how it's all laid out because it's presented in, an, in the book in contrasts. So today we're gonna look at lazy and diligent. And that's a huge contrast. And when there's a contrast, it actually usually often helps us see things more clear. So Solomon is highlighting this contrast. We will look at laziness and diligence and how it can change our life experience. So if you have Bibles or phones or however you look, it will also be on the screen. We're gonna be in Proverbs 26, 13 to 16. A sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so a slugger turns on his bed. A slugger buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. A slugger is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. So I'm going to tell you a few things about laziness before we talk about diligence. And the first thing is point number one. It includes half-hearted efforts and incomplete projects. So think about that for a second. Half-hearted efforts and incomplete projects. If you're anything like me, I feel convicted just in that statement. The hand, the hand is in the dish but the food, but with, the, with the food, sorry, but is too lazy to bring it back to the mouth. I love this Mexican restaurant in, in town here. It's called Las Palapas. I don't know if anyone knows it, and I could possibly be saying it wrong, but I absolutely love this restaurant. My favorite thing is their coconut shrimp and their homemade taco shells and this homemade guacamole that they make right here. So when I read this part, this is what I picture. I picture me at my favorite restaurant with the homemade taco chips and the great guacamole, dipping it in so hungry, about to pull it back to my mouth, and I'm like, I just can't do it. I need to set it down. I don't think I'm gonna eat it. That's what I picture in that moment. What this means is someone's not taking care of themselves physically. Someone is starving, someone is stopping when they should be going. This can happen physically when you don't take care of yourself. It can happen spiritually when you're not getting enough when you're not getting enough nourishment. It can happen when you're just, maybe you're not opening up the Bible and studying it and, and looking at it and reading it and applying it. To be fed spiritually during the week, just not tonight. And there is a lot of pictures from this verse, but the sluggard is always stopping halfway. 
projects halfway done? Do you struggle with procrastination? I'm sure most of us do or know people that do. A classic phrase you may have heard is, I've started it, but I haven't finished it yet. I started it over there and I started this over here and I've started that, but I just haven't finished it yet. Procrastination is something that we all struggle with and it's something that we can pray a practical prayer for. Like, God, help me with this procrastination. Strengthen me to finish my projects or whatever it is that lies ahead. So how does this work, this laziness? We have some insights in chapter six. So we're gonna go back 20 chapters and we're gonna see this. So Proverbs um, 20, no, yep, 20. So these Proverbs are so short, but they have so many layers to them. And when you really chew on them and digest them and think about them, they will turn a light bulb on. I promise you, you'll be able to relate to them because they're that practical. So Proverbs 6, 10, my mistake. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. A poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So I'm doing just a little bit of sleep, just a little bit of slumber, a little folding of the hands. It's just a little shortcut, a little procrastination, just a little bit of compromise, a little, a little, a little. When you do a little less, then you become less motivated to do more. Then the less you do, well, it kind of leads to the less you do. So pretty much, or pretty soon, you're gonna end up in a place that you didn't even realize. Like, what just happened? Like, it just hits you and there's a consequence. Something is presented in front of you. You have no clue. It's just sneaky like that. It's just this little bit, this little bit, this little bit. And then you end up in a place you didn't see coming. So the description that we're reading in the original Proverbs scripture, 2614, as the door turns on its hinges, so a slugger turns on a bed. Well, think about a door. It's anchored to its hinges. The slugger is anchored to the bed. So the door is technically moving, but it's not really going anywhere. The sluggard is technically moving a little, but not really going anywhere. So these are these pictures that can be so powerful as we read through them, we can relate. So I think back to when I was in school, whether it was myself or other people around me, who could have done better in school. Maybe had an A-plus mind, but ended up with C or B averages. Or when your son or daughter or your friends have this natural skill for a sport, and they play really well, but then one day, they decide to do training over the summer, or to put an extra effort in in the year. And all of a sudden, they make some team that they never thought they would make, or they become a star in their football team, or their hockey team, or their baseball team. But I'm, there to, I'm here to tell you, friends, that the potential was always there. It was there the whole time, our potential. But the difference is diligence. It finally kicked in. And in a lot of marriages, there is a lot of people who have gotten lazy. So this is not just sports and your mind. This is all, it can be applied to all areas of your life. You know, it's when husbands stop pursuing their wives, dating their wives, 
cherishing them, getting to know them as the years go on. Or wives have gotten lazy in honoring and respecting their husbands. And then you don't realize it, but little by little, compromise by compromise, boom. You don't understand how you got there. Your marriage is a mess, things are falling apart, you don't know who you are anymore. It's a little and a little, a little, and it just sneaks up on you. We're reminded in Proverbs 31 of the godly woman, and most of people here probably know this, but she wakes up early while it's still dark. She sets about her tasks vigorously. Diligence and her arms are strong for the task. She's getting after it. Try and find a scripture that says Jesus did something half-hearted. I dare you. Can you imagine, like, okay, I'm just going to start this over there and, and maybe get back to it. You're never going to find that. When you think about Jesus, when I think about Jesus, I think of when he said it was finished from the cross. Not half. It was finished at the cross. In John 17, it says, Father, I have brought you glory to you by finishing the work you have given me. God has stuff for every single one of us in every single season in our lives. And we need to be willing to go after it. Until we're with him one day, he has something for you. And so that's the model. Sounds simple, you know, just be Jesus. So here's the second thing about laziness. It replaces faithfulness with creative excuses. So this is the one that really convicted me as I was writing this message. Some of the most creative stuff you will ever come up with will be an excuse. We get so creative with our excuses. Uh, in verse 13 it says, there is a fierce lion roaming in the streets. Have you seen it? Oh, no, 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 but I know it's out there. I'm sure there's a lion in the streets today. I just know it. It's a language of laziness, of excuses. So there's this study that was done about being late for work. It's one of the most common things that we all lie, exaggerate, or make excuses for. Um, it seems that this is the one that we're the most creative with or we exaggerate the most. So here are the top three reasons in North America that people are late. Traffic, weather, or I haven't gotten enough sleep. And like really slow, like almost not even 1% right behind there was getting kids to daycare, just lost out by about 1%. So those are the three most common that are dished out, but here are some that are true and people actually used that I found online. I stopped to rescue a duck that has been hit by a car. Someone robbed a gas station that I was at and I didn't have enough gas to get to the next station. I had to get a squirrel out of my car. My dog chewed through my charger overnight, my phone died and my alarm didn't go off. I was waiting for the judge to set my bail. Well, that one could lead to some more questions. But my favorite, I'm not late because I was thinking about work on my way here. I think that's probably the best one, but there was many crazy ones out there. And I tell you this because what's your number one excuse? Might not have to do with being late for work, but what's your number one excuse? When you think about it, are you lazy when it comes to prayer? Are you maybe not using your gifts that God's given you to like really bless somebody? Are you not sharing your faith? 
Maybe you think of some areas, maybe when you think of some of these areas that are common, these are actually, how can I word that? Those are very typical lazy spots for Christians, the ones that I'm talking about. So when you do research online, it's usually prayer, uh, sharing your faith, and using your gifts are the top three that people feel like they're lacking in. But if you pulled back your excuse, so whatever it is, you just really looked at it, wrote it down, realized that it's ridiculous, and then just asked the Holy Spirit for help to get through it. Like, have you ever just presented your excuse, your whatever it is, it could be the best excuse ever, and it could be valid, but have you presented it to the Holy Spirit to try to help you, to give you perspective? He can do this patient nudging. He can encourage, he can train, he can give new direction. And one day you could look back and be like, wait a minute, I no longer struggle with that. And that was like 10 years ago because the Holy Spirit has helped you overcome it. It is possible. So the third thing, creates sluggers who think they are wise. And I'm sure everybody knows one of these people. It says the slugger is so wise in his own eyes. They actually think they're winning. So I play the Xbox all day, every day. I eat frozen pizzas, I don't need to cook. I don't have to work. I'm winning, I'm totally winning. I'm beating the system. I have it so good, this is why Lazy's better. This is what everybody should be doing. It's so incredible. He's so wise in his own eyes. And have you ever listened to somebody talk like that when they think they're winning, 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 winning? And you're hearing it and thinking, "Um, I'm not sure that this is winning. The sluggard is deceived. Like a tree that has a disease on it, from a distance it looks totally okay, but when you go up to the tree, you see all of this disease all over it. Laziness is sneaky. Sluggard is sneaky. You don't even realize it, and you think you're winning. You took that shortcut. You took that compromise. Oh, but I'm winning. And this is the sluggard story. So the word sluggard in Hebrew has actually two meanings. One that we all probably are thinking when you hear it, that lazy, slacking, not motivated, not following through, not reliable. That's what I think of when I think of the word. But there is a second meaning, and it means shifty. So not upright. It involves some sort of sin. And what's interesting is the lazier someone gets, the more the door opens for trouble. It's so often that trouble becomes, comes into your life because of laziness. So both are together in the meaning of the word sluggard. So Proverbs is this, especially that we're talking about, is a reality check. It's, that's what Proverbs does. It's, it, it leads us to something better. This is the goodness in life that God wants you to pursue, to pursue wants you to have. God helps us to leave something that's destructive and not just leave it and just go away and be bored, but leave what is destructive and sinful and move on to something exciting and life-giving. It's not just don't be lazy, it's step into this. And if you say diligence doesn't sound exciting, I probably would agree with you. A lot of times in life, diligence isn't the flashy kind of exciting but it's the effective kind of exciting. 
Diligence works. There is a lot of upside to diligence. So let's take a look at diligence now. We're gonna go back to chapter six and drop down a few, cha- uh, few verses to chapter six. So chapter six, sorry, verse six. Go, and we're gonna look at ants. Might not seem thrilling, but bear with me. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gra- gathers its food at harvest. Diligence finds inspiring examples like ants. So what's so great about ants? Well, there's three things that I think are great about ants. They have initiative. I see lots of hard workers in ministry and all around, but sometimes you feel like you have to push them, like shove them to get them going. Number two, collaboration. They work so well together. And like ministry and our workplaces, we don't always play well together or work well together, do we? Maybe we don't serve the church well together in our teams or we don't have the right attitude or you just don't feel like you have the right ability. Well, ants, there is no silo deal. And that's what's so cool about them. I actually think when I look at ants as one body, one church working together, when I see those ants. And the, other, the last one, Proverbs 30, it says that ants don't have a lot of strength. Well, compared to our strength, especially. But they think ahead, they store food in the summertime, that's foresight. Life and ministry and serving God isn't just about staying busy. That's not what I'm saying here today but having collaboration and foresight. When you see churches coming together and doing these three things, wow. Like, God can do amazing things through that. When you step outside in nature, this is a big one for me, I've shared that with you before, Um, I see his power. That's all it takes for me, is to just step outside into nature. I feel his power. The same in his creation, when I watch even the ant, and I, you learn about these crazy things about different animals, I, I see his brilliance. Like, we could never have figured that out. And I've been thinking of diligence, and I think about this game, and many of you have probably heard of it, and it's called Pokemon Go. It's been around for a while now, and now there's like tons of different versions of it. Um, And people are all around town, sometimes with two phones, with their parents, with their friends, and they're trying to collect all these Pokemon, right? Um, They'll even go into dangerous places to go and get a Pokemon, like a digital thing that doesn't exist on their phone. And I think, when I think about it, I think about Wisdom Go. Like, could you imagine if we were as passionate about wisdom if we were to do anything, go anywhere with anyone just to find that golden nugget that would help us live better. Many of you know I became a believer later in life than I wish it could have happened. And studying the Bible wasn't part of my life. Um, But I was sure passionate about many useless things. Like I could talk forever and be passionate about things that didn't even matter. But when I first started studying scripture and I formed this relationship with Jesus, there's two things that really stood out to me and still do. 
And I warn you, I may cry, because I always do when I say this, but you can't earn your way to heaven. I just have never understood that. That this grace, this undeserved gift through Jesus Christ, that he died on this cross so that he just finished it. Just finished it. And we can just receive that gift. I just, it blows my mind. The things that we do, the way that we live for him, not by the merit. That's not the basis here. It's what he gives you, you need to walk into. You need to step into. And the second thing is Jesus. Every single thing about him. How awesome he is, how great he is, human and God and fully God with the capital G, equal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. In our country right now, it seems that there are so many people with opinions, with agendas, and even some that are misleading us with words from the Bible. And these people seem so diligent and passionate, more than us. Isn't it time for God's people who know Jesus to just step into that? Like, let's be diligent for the Great Commission. Let's walk out these doors and be as passionate as all these other parades and all these other things out there. Right now, in this hour, 2019, that these Christians are going to be diligent and passionate for the Lord. It's a challenge. But there's so many people out there doing so much more for things that mean so much less. So if you're inspired as you read through these Proverbs, if you're inspired on your own when you're reading the Bible, if you're inspired because you see ants, whatever it is that inspires you, or, or maybe you're inspired when you see other people's diligence, because that's a thing. Make sure that you're making realistic goals and when I say realistic, I give you an example. If you decide today, this isn't to do with your faith, but you want to run, you can't go out tomorrow in 100 miles. That's not realistic. So I'm telling you to set some realistic goals, some next steps in your life, goals for your marriage, goals for your workplace, your daily schedule maybe, your walk with God. How about those half-completed projects? Is it time to maybe pick them up, finish them? Set some realistic goals, but be sure that you're setting these goals because otherwise it won't happen. It's just that simple. Then pray over them. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you and just continue to be inspired through God's help through the Spirit's leading. Or maybe you need to find somebody that does something well that you struggle with. So say it's finances and you have no self-control then find someone who is diligent with their finances so they can give you wisdom, they can walk alongside you, and you can look for them for examples. So now let's talk about diligence. Proverbs 13, 4. We've talked enough about laziness. Let's move forward. A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Fully satisfied. So laziness, on the other hand, brings poverty. In the Bible, the word poverty is not just a financial term. It's a word of lack, but it can be financial as well. So there's a couple ways that you can get to this position of lack. 
In Proverbs, there's actually a number of ways, but laziness is one of them. And another one that is interesting is hedonism. It's chasing after one's pleasures. You often wonder how some of these guys get paid millions and millions of dollars and they become bankrupt. Well, they're just chasing after every pleasure, every advertisement, they pull out their credit card, every material thing that they purchase, and they end up in poverty. Or another one that I think is interesting is stinginess. Because when you think of somebody who's stingy, you actually think that they keep stuff to themselves. They, they hoard things, but it actually leads to a lack of poverty. These don't lead to peaceful satisfaction. So there's a lot that leads to lack and not, and, and not to peaceful satisfaction. So I should also point out that being a workaholic, and this is super important, because this screams me. I need to tell you that, if you're, especially if you're a workaholic here tonight. Please don't hear that I'm saying that that's okay. Don't hear like, yes, I'm a workaholic. She said I can work more. I did not say that. I am telling you that the Holy Spirit should be leading you in when to work, when to play, when not to work, when to rest. Workaholics will suffer or lack in their family life or with their friends or with God or with their spiritual life, their physical health. So workaholics have to take a check of their motives and why they're working so much. Ask yourself, like, why your performance means so much, or are you numbing something? Like, what's happening that you need to be a workaholic? And I just wanted to bring that up because I don't want this to, like, confirm somebody who's working way too much. Um, So please don't hear that. So if you're in a situation right now and you don't like your job, stay diligent. It's easy to say, it's not my dream job, it's not the end of the road, I wanna move on to something else, I don't like my coworkers, I hate my boss. It's stay diligent, stay diligent. Even when your boss isn't looking, stay diligent. Stay diligent unto the Lord, always. So in ministry, I see this happen lots. Um, Even with myself. Okay, there's a lot of types of ministry out there that demand a lot of work. And when I say work, I don't just mean showing up, I mean a lot of physical work. Mental work, physical work. Especially when it comes to kids and summer camp, or working with junior youth or youth, or putting on one of our huge events like Day in the Park. Um, But I tell you that because a couple years ago, I had somebody who had signed up for the whole week of VBS here at the church. And it's any of you don't know, it's nine to five, every day, all day, anywhere from 80 to 100 kids. It's a lot of work. And she texted me that morning and told me she wasn't coming. And if anyone has ever done camp or kids ministry, you'll understand what it means and how it feels when you get that text message that morning. It's awful. Only because there's so many kids and they're relying on you and it's just going to mean that much extra work on the leaders that did show up. It's just this awful feeling. So this person had texted me. She said she wasn't coming, but she did end up showing up anyways. And I was so excited to see her because I had no clue she was coming. And she told me at the end of the day that she actually came up with so many valid excuses of why she could not come. And they were real ones, they weren't lies, they were real excuses, it's a lot of work. But she pushed through, she was diligent, she showed up, she honored her commitment. 
And when we saw three kids come to Jesus that day, I know she was a part of that. I know her relationship with those three kids, what she did in those days, mattered. And when she left here, after being diligent, when she didn't want to, she had a peaceful satisfaction. And I want to acknowledge that the temptation of laziness is so real to each and every one of us. And we really can only come overcome it through Jesus and praying, and the blessings will come. They will come. So look at 14, verse 23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Be a doer, not a talker. Talking only gets you so far. Don't tell me you're going to show up for coffee and not come. Doer, not talker. Honor your commitments. So the second thing, it is a magnet for God's blessing. Spend time this week in the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. And this is what I noticed about his life, which I'm sure many of you have. He starts attending the flock. His brothers throw him into slavery. He stays diligent with the flock. He stays diligent to the slavery. Got a position in Potiphar's household, was diligent, got a promotion, falsely thrown in jail for something that he didn't do, and still stayed diligent. People in jail tried to give him some promises and build him up. They broke those promises, and he still stayed diligent. God's word and God's favor built him up in that jail. And then he comes out of jail and he uses his gifts for the Lord and God elevates him to this position where now he's able, with, through God's help, to discern seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. He leads those people through 14 years, saving many lives and the reconciliation of his family. Like, what a story. What a story. Like, Joseph stays diligent in all seasons of his life. All. He stays diligent with the promotions. He stays diligent with the mistreatment. Diligent. And the phrase that keeps coming up over and over is the Lord is with him. The Lord is blessing him. The Lord is, God notices faithfulness and diligent and he supports and loves and strengthens. Other examples now in this day and age, would be our local missionaries, our international missionaries. It's, it's so inspiring when you talk to some of these people. They have these visions of finding different and unique ways, awesome ways, to share Jesus with people. That's what they do. How can we love them and show them how amazing Jesus is in whatever world or part of the world that they're from? It's dedication, it's determination, it's diligence. It's little things, big things, things in the churches, this church, things across the globe. And yes, we are saved by faith. So please, please hear that today. Don't ever think that you're saved by religion or by rituals or by tasks. We are saved by one person and that is Jesus Christ. And that is it. But when you know Jesus and you put your trust in him and you're in his family forever, let's exercise our faith. 
Let's exercise our faith so it's not just collecting dust on your shelf or coming out once a week or dragging your feet to the doors on a Saturday night just to show up. Let's exercise our faith. Let's be diligent. Let's be excited. So we're going to close today with Proverbs 27, verse 23. Be sure that you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. So it's an agriculture setting. So you might think sheep, goats, different types of animals. But the point of the sheep is its provision. It's a gift from God. There's a responsibility, a duty to take care of those sheep. And when you take care of those sheep and see what the sheep are doing and how they're going to bless other families, that's what it's meaning here. So here's the take-home question for today out of that. Are you ready? Because there's a few. And it could change your life. Who has God entrusted to you in your care? You personally. The worship team can come back up too. When we think about moving from laziness to diligence, what is God entrusting in your care? So here are a few areas that I want you to think about. The first one's your possessions. Just as simple as that. Your house, your car, your things, your finances, your money, any of it. What has he given you? What has he entrusted you with? The second, what rule or position do you have? Who has God trusted you to lead? Is there one of those people in your life that you're leading? A position of a leader or a ruler that's been trusted to you and to you alone? And the third one, what are new opportunities in this season that he's entrusting and presenting to you that maybe you're just kind of trying to avoid? So think about laziness and diligence to each one of those. And the last one, and definitely not the least important, is who has God entrusted you with? The people. Like who's sitting beside you right now? Do you have children? Do you have cousins? Do you have a husband? Do you have a wife? Do you have a pastor, a teacher? Who has he surrounded with you, to with you that you're just not doing anything with? Think about that this week. Think about it and think of practical ways to change these different areas. We are so thankful that you've listened in to the Neighborhood Church Podcast. If you have questions or comments about what you've heard, we would love to hear from you. Go to the podcast description and follow the link to get in touch with us. Everything we do would not be possible without your generosity. If you would like to give, check out that same link in the podcast description. If you have enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.